The players are what keep the NHL afloat and keep them going. And it is time for them to realize that the ball or puck is in their court. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Bomasto, joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zeraris. Nick, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm a little tired, but I'm excited to talk about this. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about in all of sports because it's it's ha- where the games, all of them, have to eventually get to if they're going to reach, I don't want to call it like that utopia society, but the better version of the sport is the one where the players are kind of keeping things going here. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, like at, at Sunday during the Super Bowl, the owner of the Chiefs being the first one to get the trophy just kind of feels blah. Like, he didn't do anything. All he did was sign the checks. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not Andy Reid. I don't really care what he has to say, to be frank with you. And the NHL is getting there. We're starting to see examples of players realizing, hey, the situation isn't great for me, or there's a better situation somewhere else for me. Maybe I should take advantage of that. But there's a lot to unpack here. There absolutely is, and I think – You know, it's kind of like that society if meme where it's like all pretty and futuristic. And I think that that's kind of what uh, we're going for here today. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. So don't miss out on the chance to hang out with um, all the fun sports bets on FanDuel at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So we saw a lot of this kind of player autonomy this summer with RFAs and UFAs. And, you know, you, and we're going to talk about the draft too, because it's kind of, you know, this complicated situation to unpack. So let's run it. Let's wind it back here to the start as a concept. I don't know where that the idea of player empowerment as like the name came from. It's yeah. been mostly associated with the NBA. The NBA has the most free flowing star movement of the four major sports in the NBA. If a star player wants to get moved, they can get moved with multiple years left on their contract. No questions asked. No yeah. problems because the owners, the GMs, they understand. It is better to keep the ball rolling than to have a disgruntled player. You can reset your alignment, what you want to do with your roster. And yeah, sometimes you get the short end of the stick, like the Nets. The Nets, three years ago, they brought in Kyrie, they brought in Kevin Durant, and they have one playoff series win to show for it in those three years. They traded both those guys, and they're effectively starting over. The Rockets did it with James Harden. They did it with Dwight Howard. They did it with um, Chris Paul. The They did it with Russell Westbrook, I forgot about. That just came back to me. All of these, in the NBA, it's more of an understood thing that, hey, these guys are the ones that keep keep things moving here. And there's an added element to this in the NBA where if guys do actually get to free agency, 
if you're one of the teams that has historically done right by its guys when they've wanted to move or where guys have wanted to come there, that is part of that recruitment process of, hey, if you come here, we're going to take care of you. And if things don't work out, we're not going to hold on. We're not going to hold you back. We're going to want you to be successful in your career further on down the road. And that's a real component of this is not only does it reflect on the organization, it reflects on the players and it's all interwoven. All of this stuff is connected and it's complicated because Typically speaking, it, it's com- you don't really feel a lot of empathy for somebody who's getting paid $30 million a year in an unfavorable situation. A lot of people who are going to their day-to-day job are like, come on, man, suck it up. I, I know it sucks. Nobody wants to go to work, but you- yeah. you're playing a game. You are not do you are not loading shelves. You are not dealing with customers. It's a lot easier. It's a lot simpler to go to shoot around in the morning and then go to practice and go to the game. It's a lot easier to do that. But it's complicated, and this is one of those things that it requires a little bit of thinking. It requires a little bit of being willing to accept that you might not understand everything about it, but at the same time, no, it's important that the players are the ones keeping the ship going because the owners don't care. The vast majority of owners do not care about winning. They only care about making money. So at the if we're going to live in that environment where the owners are the ones who are driving the boat, they're only really concerned about money, it will hold the sport back, which is kind of what's happened to hockey. That's at least a significant part of why I feel hockey is kind of mired as a niche sport is the ownership doesn't particularly care about growing the sport. They only care about making more money. Yeah, no, and we literally saw this unfold an hour ago. Because Bali Sports didn't pay their um, portion of what they owed, and there was an immediate Board of Governors call, which makes sense. But I feel like when there are true issues in hockey, like the Kyle Beach situation, they don't care. It's all about where the where is the next dollar coming from? How can we make sure that we're getting you know, our off-season villa in Portugal or wherever the next fantastic, you know, vacation spot for the owners are. And, you know, it is so important for these players of any sport to have a quality of life and to have a good quality of life while they're playing. And, you know, I'm sure most people can you relate to this but like if you're if you go to work and it's gross outside it's dreary you already feel horrible like you're kind of like a little bit depressed or you just got a lot of stuff going on you're not going to perform your best at your job it that that happens for athletes too um they're still human beings with very valid emotions with lives with things that go on and you know what you might not like one of your bosses i guarantee you there there are players in this organization or any organization across the four major sports or any sports that don't like their bosses either whether it's a coach a trainer their owner whoever it's Some, one of those things where like they don't think about it we don't think about you know we don't think about professional athletes is skilled labor that's what they are they are labor they are at the end of the day they are providing a service they are the ones that are providing value to the franchise nobody cares who the owner of the team is a lot of people only know who their owner is if their owner messes up or does a really good job if you're an owner in anonymity who owns an average nhl or nfl or nba if you're one of the average teams nobody cares you only get notoriety as an owner for being a joke and making things worse or for just signing the checks when the gm asks for a little bit more money around the deadline 
that's really all it comes down to. And if it, you're able to put your ego aside, you can do a really good job by letting the hockey people make their decisions and not getting involved directly and not letting your preconceived notions about anything get in your way. And it's part of the relationship as well. It's not as much in hockey as it is in the other sports where the owners are signing over significantly more money. So they are a part of that process a little right. more directly. Like this summer, this upcoming offseason, when Joe Burrow sits down with the Bengals to work out his lucrative multi-year extension, the owner of the Bengals will be a part of that discussion. Whereas in the NHL, that's really only a consideration if you're signing a superstar player. Like when the Rangers were signing Artemi Panarin in free agency, yeah, they probably had the owner, can we go up to this number? Yeah, okay. That was probably a consideration. The vast majority of these deals, it's not really that much of a consideration because they don't make as much money. And there's a lot of reasons why the NHL is a niche sport, but one way... For the NHL to kind of lean into the ridiculousness of it all is what the NBA and the NFL do, where it's always a storyline. There's always storylines developing. Well, who wants to play with who? Who wants to go where? Is this situation tenable? The offseason and the behind-the-scenes stuff sustain the NBA and the NFL 365 days a year now. Yes. The NHL, the NHL has an okay offseason, and then... It really boils over fast. That's the problem with the NHL offseason. Yeah. By that third week of July, for first week of August, pretty much everybody of note is signed at that point. And we just wait around for all of August until training camps in early September. The NBA and NHL, it is a never-ending cycle of, okay, this guy's up for a new contract at the end of the season. Is he going to extend or is he going to want to go somewhere else? There, That's going to... we. The first real opportunity for that we're going to see is Austin Matthews in two years in Toronto. That will be the first, like, if the Leafs don't win a series this year and they go into the following season with two years left on that deal, and it's, well, is he going to stay? Is he going to go to Arizona? Is he going to go to an American team? Is he going to go somewhere else? That will be a real opportunity where one of the bona fide ten best players in the world is going to do that. We got a little bit robbed of that because of restricted free agency, which is something we'll talk about in the context of the draft in the next segment. Because last summer could have been that for Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk could have been the... Matthew Kachuk could have been the guy where it's like, okay, everybody court me. Because in the NBA, restricted free agency, there isn't the draft pick compensation attached to it. In the NBA, it's just your team gets to, an opportunity to match the offer. If somebody offered, if the Panthers offered that contract to Matthew Kachuk in the NBA, the Flames would have had the right to match it, and that's it. There wouldn't have been no additional compensation. That is a way to even out the, to make it a little more fair to the players to empower them to say hey i want to go somewhere else yeah. but at the same time it will also encourage teams to be more aggressive in restricted free agency because they don't have to give up the, all of the draft picks that come along with an offer sheet yeah absolutely and i think that offer sheets are such an interesting concept and and not in like a good way but i mm. had never really like truly it was a new experience for me when the Canadians had offer sheeted offer whatever the um, Sebastian Ajo a few years ago. And I was so confused because I was like, I knew this was a thing, but I'd never seen it played out before. So, you know, it's, it's an experience. And then you have like this weird non rivalry kind of build up and pettiness, but it's fine because of course pettiness makes sports go around. And I think we see that, a lot in the NBA and truly the NFL as well. So we're going to talk more about the beauty of just 
player empowerment and not being stuck in a market that you don't like for eight years of your career coming up next. But before we do that, I do want to tell you about our good friends at FanDuel. They are our new sports betting partners, and it's the midway point of the NBA season. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. This is America's number one sports book. So you do get your no sweat first bet again if you didn't get it with the Super Bowl. Now's your chance to sign up and get up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Nick, what are some uh, exciting basketball trades, no, bets that you've been doing recently? Usually what me and my friends do, we'll look and see if anything like jumps out. Like we have a group chat specifically for this where we're looking for like player points, rebounds, or prop. We generally stick to props, not the games, because the games, you know, anything can happen in the games and those are a little more challenging. So typically we look for specified markets where it'll be like points, rebounds, assist, all three combined, or just points, or you throw together like two or three of those in one game in a parlay. We we typically like to do those types of things. We do we do okay. It's one of those very fun things where if you have a group of friends that enjoys doing it, it makes it a lot more fun because it's very fun to watch a game together and sweat out a bet. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in hanging out with your friends and watching a random game in the middle of the week that you have no vested interest in other than hitting your parlay, head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on today to get that first no sweat first bet with $1,000 in bonus bets, up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports book betting, sports betting partner of the NBA. The thing here is, you know, it's interesting that we were talking about this because 20 minutes, not definitely not 20 minutes ago, like an hour or so ago, we saw, um, the Ducks prospect whose rights are expiring saying that he's entering free agency. He doesn't want to resign. So, you know, for a kid that's kind of like not anything special yet, like he hasn't established himself in the league. I think that that's such a bold move to make. And it is something I hope that we see more of. This is one of those parts that's very complicated so the draft used to not exist prior to the draft prior to the draft there were regional regional declarations where players that were playing junior hockey in certain regions they were just automatically the property of other teams that's why in the original six era the canadian teams those teams were a lot better than the other teams because they had access to the talent of their regions As they instituted an entry draft, they've weighted a lottery to try and discourage tanking while also still giving the worst teams odds, uh, the best odds of getting good players. The draft is entirely an anti-labor practice. It only exists to make the players go to places they would not go. 
Now, there are limitations to the free market. Even if there was still the salary cap, you would know most team, most players would opt for a handful of teams. They wouldn't want to go to some of these smaller markets or some of these teams that are struggling historically. Just having a free open market where they could get whatever amount of money they wanted, or if you wanted to do it similar to the way there's price caps for their specific draft slots, you could do something like that where even... Every team can only offer a player a certain amount on an entry-level contract, but they could sign with any team they wanted out of junior, college, or Europe. Okay, maybe you could make that work, but that won't happen for a number of reasons. Number one, the bad teams need to get younger, good young talent on their teams. That's the reason all yeah. of the leagues have, have a reverse draft where the worst team is supposed to pick first of course the nba and the nhl have lotteries where it's not the guaranteed you have to get lucky to get the best pick but the draft really doesn't work for the players uh there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that process where it can take years to really break through at the nhl level especially if you go to college if you're playing in europe against other men in a professional league over there it can be very complicated to just get to the nhl at a certain point and we have seen a handful of very talented players as opt as, as college guys opt to play the entirety of their college eligibility out and then become nhl free agents you saw jimmy Vesey do this you saw kevin hayes do this matt gilroy did this a number of years ago where they just write out their all of their college eligibility and then they're free to sign anywhere and they are still subject to i th- i forget what the price cap is for what they're allowed to sign for i think they're only eligible for entry-level contracts as well but i'd have to fact check that to be sure so it, it really is a complicated thing and i understand why a lot of people don't do that um it, mm-hmm. it's not a financially prudent decision if you can get your entry-level contract and get your guaranteed money from your entry-level contract, most guys are going to be inclined to do that. Get paid sooner, and you get the, you get the clock started on unrestricted mm-hmm. free agency. You get the clock started because you need to play eight years in the league or be 27 years old to reach unrestricted free agency. To do that, you got to get the clock started on that. So if you ride it all the way through college or you play all the way through in the KHL or the Swedish League or whatever, you're 22 years old. You still got to play five years to reach unrestricted free agency. It's complicated. It's an unfortunate situation. But I would argue that if you are that confident in your abilities or you feel like there's a specific team you want to go to, It behooves you. You can take agency over your career faster than everybody else. You're not going to make as much money as the guys who started their clock at 20 or 21 years old, but you will have a more direct control over where you go and what you're going to do when you get there. Because if you can sign with any of the 32 teams out of college, you can ask for, well, hey, I want a specific role. I'd like this to be a one-way thing where I'm not going to the AHL no matter what. You can ask for things as a, as an employee to make your situation better. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, you definitely – have that leverage and yeah there's definitely drawbacks but you know if you have leverage to kind of say to any of these 32 teams like hey you saw you saw what i did at you know this d1 school why why wouldn't you want this on your team when you're looking for that role and it's not just this isn't just like a player guided thing like this like it's not just one person making this decision. Guarantee you their agent is saying, you know, um, Toronto's looking for this in, their, in a defenseman or in a goalie, whatever. And then you have, you know, Boston and Calgary 
dying for a top middle six forward. Like that you can argue and build your case and someone is going to take you up on that offer because someone's going to need you bad enough. Oh yeah, for sure. You see it. Whenever these marquee college free agents become available, there are a good eight to 10 teams that generally end up in the mix to sign them. And that speaks to how inefficient the market is. It is hard to get good players in the NHL. Just speaking, frankly, there are not that what's, that's what makes them good. There's a scarcity of good players. They are more valuable and it's a lot easier to say, Hey, this guy's already played three years of college hockey. He's already physically matured enough. This is kind of what his body's going to be for the rest of his career. If we draft him now, he, excuse me, if we sign him now, he's a little bit more polished. He can play right away versus if you draft the guy, you're probably looking at two years or so before they're going to be able to even play at the NHL level. As And that doesn't even say like play well, it might take three or four years for them to play well at the NHL level. And that's a while to wait for when you draft a guy that that's that's another part of it. When you draft a player, you're making an investment that you can get the best out of them. And that's not always necessarily true. Right. And sometimes you draft this person and you know that, you know, they're not going to be ready, but you need an immediate fix. Mm-hmm. So you're there's just so much that goes into it that, you know, I think that the players, if they, you know, they have a new executive director at that players association, so they could kind of, you know, lean into this whole hey (laughs) we we do what you need us to do but now what about us what about you know what do we get in return here and I think it's just something to think about because you don't hear people talking about it you don't you know hear people breaking down like okay well if you do all four of your college years of eligibility and then Uh, you know, you decide not to get drafted or whatever the case may be, like you could do so much more. And I, I think that this is, again, something that is going to be more prominent as sports kind of continue to grow and get massive. And you have the NHL just kind of fine standing in ankle deep water because the owners are making money. And that's, all well and good for them, but it's time for the players to you know, take what's theirs. The rats don't run the city, the players do. <laughs> Absolutely. And coming up next, we are going to talk about one of the Flames' top prospects in Matthew Coronado. But before we do that, let's talk about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat to fill that craving of chocolate and sweets while you are managing your calorie intake, your carb intakes. Well, I have good news for you. Built Bar is a delicious tasting protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar and really is packed with protein. It has uh, 17 grams of protein in most bars. And the good news is, is that they actually taste good and they don't taste like sandpaper. So if you are near a Walmart or a Sam's Club today, head on over to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. The puffs are another really great thing because they're just like marshmallowy Rice Krispie Treat goodness. And you are just getting packed with protein, no car- or low carbs, and of course, low in calories. So head to Sam's Club as well and run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors of brownie batter and churro, and you can thank me later. 
And of course, you can still order at built.com. But I, I personally, you know, why wait? It's right down the street. Now, Nick, you know all about these Harvard players. Yes. You yes. know all about our good friend, Adam Fox. And every day, you thank his dad for being a Rangers fan. Correct, especially on Long Island. Like, Long Jericho, it could have gone either way. He could have been an Islander fan, and then it would be really sad. That Yeah, that would be uh, pretty brutal, I think. And uh, I think Flames fans take this one a little too personally, but... Oh, no, uh, with all... With good reason. He's one of the five best defensemen in the league. He's one of the ten best players in the league. I would be upset, too. He's an awesome player. And he never gave the team a chance, which I understand why people would find that frustrating. That somebody somebody just never gave it a chance to consider it out of the gate. And that's part of this. And that's part of why you can't do the no draft. I think there's probably ways you could make the draft better. You could make restricted free agency better. But I don't think you could just totally do away with it because you would have large swaths, especially as hockey develops in these new areas where you've got a decent contingent of NHL players coming from Long Island now. You've got contingent of players coming from Arizona and Florida and these non-traditional markets. That's a good thing for the sport, but it's going to be harder to convince those guys to go, hey, so you're getting, you got drafted by Buffalo. Oh, (laughs) it's cold in Buffalo. Yeah, Yeah. it, it is by a coat. Yeah, seriously. Like, and you know, if you're from New York, you know, you pay outrageous property taxes as it is, but like living closer to the city and like having, you know, the amenities there is a lot different than spending like four months of winter up in Buffalo where you're just shoveling snow constantly. And that's also something I've gotten beef for on Twitter. And I'm like, I literally live in upstate New York. I I know what these winters are like. So quiet, but anyways, I digress. Um, The bean pot happened. And for those of you who don't know, the bean pot is uh, the national championship of hockey East I guess you can't really call it national championship. No, it's the regional. It's, it's the regional, it's, yeah. It's uh, who's the best team in the city of Boston. And yeah. That, that's, yeah. And uh, Harvard lost. So it went to North e- the Northeastern Huskies. Um, and, I mean, Matthew Coronado has just had an incredible season alone with Harvard. And I think that it was very smart of him to return um, you know, after last season, he had a great first year at Harvard. So sophomore season's going great. Uh, he had 18 goals and 12 assists. So, you know, this kid can score. And I just remember texting you and thinking like, this kid, if Daryl Sutter's still in charge, we, the Flames fans might be in trouble again. It's complicated. Again, like a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of nuance to determine and, they still have a ways to go in the college hockey season. There's still a solid another two months to go. Mm-hmm. There is a world in which everything's fine. Har- Harvard, you know, loses in their conference playoffs. They don't go anywhere in the uh, in the national tournament. And he says, okay, I'm ready to go to the NHL now. Let's sign my entry-level contract and get the clock started. There's a world where he says, I only got to play one more year of college, and then 
I could go anywhere I want after this if I don't think the Flames are going to give me the most clear path. And it was smart of him to go back. He clearly saw there wasn't a path for him to make the Flames roster out of camp this year, and his agent probably advised him well last summer to tell him that. And like you said, it's complicated when you have a coach who's very um, – stubborn about playing younger guys in high high leverage roles uh that's it's complicated i I, i've said that about four times in the last five minutes but it really is there's a lot of nuance into this because these are human decisions what does matthew coronado want does he want to play another year of college hockey does he want to go to the nhl what's Mm -hmm. the fastest path for him to stick at the nhl level he might have to go to the ahl for uh, the first half of next season before getting called up that's a real possibility does he want to do that if he doesn't there's a world in which he stays in college yeah and you know i think a lot of it does play into um, the current state of the Flames. I think, um, I mean, for me personally, I would say like, oh, if this does this team make the playoffs, like what does my future look like versus hanging in the comfortability of Harvard? Like, do you want a challenge? Do you want to stay in the AHL? Like what's, what's your path? Like what is his thought process behind all of this? And, you know, He's from New York. He's, I'm pretty sure he's from Long Island. Or... Yeah, he is. So, again, this kid's 5'10", 183 pounds. He has the potential. He absolutely yeah. has potential. And you just can't help but think of how Pelletier and um, Matthew Phillips have just been buried in the AHL. And that's not what any one wants like I'm sorry if I knew that I was good enough to play at the NHL level at 25 years old do you think I'm gonna stick around in that organization where they refuse to give me chances because the coach just doesn't want to scratch his old best friend like it's just nepotism it's it's yeah it's favorite it's it's a what's the word favoritism there we go that's what i was looking for favoritism it's it's frustrating and it's one of those things that like we said in the first segment now that is something a lot of people looking at the flames as a potential landing spot for their guys if they're an agent or if they're a player well do i want to go there is the coach going to give me a chance to play is it going to be a favorable situation it's complicated it's one of those things where it works against the team having everything go through one person. It's why you really need to make sure you have a general manager that is separate from uh, Daryl Sutter after the season because that's a consideration. The Flames will have free agents to decide on this season. They're going to have to work on contracts with guys. They're going to fill out the bottom part of the roster. Who wants to come here? That's a part of the thing now. Well, if Daryl's there and he's got his guys already penciled in for those spots, I'm not really going to be able to play my way into that spot. It's brutal. It is very brutal to just kind of sit here and examine what, you know, even with uh, Brett Ritchie, Trevor Lewis, and Milan Lucic's contract expiring, you know, you know that at least two of those three will be brought back. I don't see a world where, um, you know, Luch doesn't take like a veteran the veteran minimum here at least to um you know (laughs) stick around and try to bring the cut back to calgary and it's just it's so again it's complicated 
because there are so many moves that us armchair GMs see as no-brainers. Like, you could say, hey, why not do this for this? Or not even trades, but just simple roster moves. So you can start integrating these younger players so they're not wasting away in your AHL system. And then by the time it's ready for them to come up, they're, they're basically 30 years old. And you're like, why couldn't you do this? Because you left me in the AHL to play someone whose power forward highlights were all from 10 plus years ago. It's fine. It's not fine, but this is just the Calgary flames hockey experience and fans have every right to be upset and disappointed. And Honestly, it's it's a tough time for, I would say, for free agents to want to come here and young guys to sign here. Yeah, I mean, Coronado's 20. He's got one season of riding. And you would think, like, hey, this is a team that has a clear need for another top-line wing. They should be doing everything in their power to clear a roster spot for the guy they drafted in the first round two years ago and say, all right, as soon as the college season's over, we want you to sign your ELC and we want you to be on the team. And if we make the playoffs, we want you to be on the playoff roster. Mm-hmm. You would think these are all no-brainer slam dunk ideas. <sighs> but they're not, according oh, to well. some. Yeah, you know what? We'll just that's, – that's why we have this uh, daily show because yeah. so much happens in, you know, a few days span. And then by the time, you know, that recording day rolls around, some of it might be seen as old news. But we keep things fresh here at Locked on Flames. And I just – I'm staring at his elite prospect page right now. And, my God, 2002. Okay. Yeah. Just anything – Anything to make us feel old here, but it's fine because, again, we probably won't see him in the NHL until, like, what, it's 2023? Yeah, give it, like, six more years. That's fine. That's fine. But, uh, Nick, is there anything else you wanted to touch upon before we wrap things up today? No, just the simple, straightforward idea. Let the players control where they want to go, maximize as much money as they can make while they can make it, and don't begrudge them. I mean, no. at the end, it they have a very unique and rare skill set. They should be trying to maximize their value as many ways as they can. If that's playing in a different market, if that's playing in a certain role, the players kind of have an idea of what they want to do with themselves. And it's important the NHL realize the NHL players realize that it's not just a thing for the guys in the NFL and the NBA. Sometimes it's okay to put yourself before the team if the situation isn't working for you. You mean it's okay to put yourself first in a professional sport? Yes. Every now and then it's a good idea for yourself, for your self-preservation. Every once in a while. There was something that happened during the Super Bowl where it might have been Jalen Hurts when they talked about his shoulder being um, bummed up. But everyone in the comments was like, oh, it's fine. Like, he'll just get a Toradol shot. And I'm like, no. Do we know? We do know the long-term effects of these things, and these this should not be normalized. But it's fine because it's the Super Bowl, and everything just gets 
first to the side. And I mean, it is a Super Bowl. So and you just go out there with like your arm hanging off, whatever you decide. But thank you everyone for hanging out with us here on another episode of Locked on Flames. As always, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts for free. And of course, on YouTube as well at Locked on Flames. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. You can catch Nick um, on Twitter as well at Nick Zararis. And I believe we'll, we're doing back-to-backs this week. So yeah. we'll be back tomorrow chatting all about whatever Flames discourse happens between now and then. And um, last time we recorded, I said the Flames were hopefully going to win against the Red Wings. And they play the Red Wings tomorrow. So maybe better luck this time. Yeah, seriously, hopefully. But all right, everyone, be safe, have a good night, and go Flames.